Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff. I'm your host, Margaret Kildroy. Every week we talk about people who did cool stuff. Sophie is here in zombie form as the producer. And we're going to try and get you up to... What's more powerful than a zombie? Uh, uh, an, skeletons? Uh, an orc? skeletons more powerful? Is a, is a skeleton well, more powerful? I don't know. An elf? I mean, we might not get you all the way up to Lich. No, we're sticking with undead. Um, Lich is like jumping a little too high you can get to lich eventually i believe in you it's just a quick jump from in minecraft it could be a zombie pigman for all of those for all of the zoomers out there i like how that just sounds like you're trying to reference a crime because that's the main thing i think of when i think of minecraft so (laughs) the other voice you're hearing is garrison davis today's guest hello how are you garrison i'm actually doing okay excellent yeah Today, we're going to talk about some history that obviously, and the cool thing about history is has no relevance to the modern world. Yeah, it never does. That's the, that's the great thing about history is that it's only, only in the past. Yeah. The already mentioned producer, Sophie. How are you doing, Sophie? I, like I said, I died two days ago, but somehow I'm here. Yeah. We'll get you, we'll, we'll get you up from, from zombie somehow. Our audio engineer is Ian. I don't know what level of undead Ian is. Everyone say hi to Ian. Hi, Ian. Ian. Hello. Hello, Ian. I, I, I remember it this time. I remember that I'm included in it, everyone this time. That's, mm. that's called character development. It's, 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 it's a little mini arc I have here. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. I would like to be upgraded by the end of this from zombie to like, I'm not going undead. I'm switching the, the criteria here. I would, like to oh. be, I would like to be tree beard from Lord of the Rings. That's also character okay. development. Okay. Well, yeah, we, we, we you, can try. We can try to lay that groundwork over the course of the next like few ad breaks, if you want. Yeah, okay, thank you so much. We're building you up to end. So, much like, oh, I don't think there's a Gandalf reference in this episode. Tragic. That's weird. Well, next week's is going to have a Gandalf reference because I've already started writing the script. Much like the motley assortment of people who came together to fight fascism. In the classic series of novels, Lord of the Rings, 
the people of Spain <laughs> fought against Franco. Uh, this would be kind of like if the people of Mordor fought against Mordor, but unfortunately, Tolkien wrote an oversimplified thing. That's not what we're talking about today. If you want to hear the first part, you should. You should go back and listen to the first part. But today, we're going to talk about resistance to Franco, who was the dictator of Spain. So, after World War II, Franco pivoted to being like your friendly neighborhood fascist. That was his thing. Uh, despite the fact that apparently he was more successful of an autocrat than anybody on earth during his reign, like he didn't even have a rubber stamp parliament to approve his decisions. He, he managed a more authoritarian control of Spain, apparently, than fucking Hitler or Stalin. Huh. Yeah. He was, that's, he was, that's curious. He was good at being in charge. Well, he was good at being the one who was in charge. He wasn't yeah. good at being in charge. He eventually created the position of prime minister because he wanted to open things up a little bit and gave himself the position of prime minister. Oh, oh okay. That's so he... Okay. <laughs> um, so I don't think that works quite the way that um, that he might have thought. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure mm -hmm. it works exactly the way that he thought. But I don't think that that quite opens up the democratic possibilities in the country. No, uh, nor did when he restored the monarchy without actually putting in a king. So this there was, was like, there's no monarch. Yeah, he was just like, well, I'm in charge. But ostensibly, when I die, the monarchy will return or whatever. That's interesting. And he managed to get like a bunch of um, sort of titles that are only used for monarchs that I didn't write into the script, like there by the grace of God, or I, I don't know, some fucking weird Some shit. monarch shit, yeah. Yeah. But eventually he did pass off the prime ministership in 1973, right before he died because he was getting sick. And we'll hear some fun news about the second prime minister a little bit later. Okay. He declared national Catholicism. No other religion, including Protestants and obviously Jews, were allowed to have public ceremonies. Franco spent a lot of time complaining about the, quote, Judeo-Bolsheviks, who were, and this is, like, so fun because nothing's changed. It's not fun at all. It's awful, and anti-Semitism is a terrible problem. Um, these Judeo-Bolsheviks were somehow aligned with both American capitalism and Soviet communism at the same time. Yeah, were, yeah, that, that tends to happen with those old uh, Bolsheviks. Yeah, um, and therefore they are the enemy of good old-fashioned fascism. A lot of times he was, like, more moving towards not it was like, he didn't always specifically call himself a fascist, but I'm going to call him a fascist the whole time. Yeah, because he's a fascist. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason I'm going to call him one. Yeah, totally. So he was incredibly anti-Semitic, but he actually didn't, Spain did not deport its, its Jewish population during World War II. He created a list of them and he gave it to Hitler and he was like getting ready to, he was almost certainly getting ready to start doing this, but things in the war changed and favor changed or whatever. Yeah. And also tens of thousands of Jews did come from Nazi controlled France into Spain and survive the war as the result. So, um, after the war, prop his propagandists went over time being like, Spain is the hero to the world's Jews at the same time as they're like banned from practicing their faith publicly. Sure. Yeah. Because he's, he's trying to pony up to all of the liberal democracies yeah. while still being a fascist. Yeah. And, Pretending to have saved Jews while being anti-Semitic is the way to pony up to the world's Western yeah, Democratic yeah, yeah, powers yeah, yeah. because that's what they do too. 
So he declares national Catholicism. I don't think he actually calls it this. I think it's actually the name national Catholicism starts coming a little bit later. But it's basically like trad wife, trad cath thing. Good old back to traditional values, Catholicism, all love for the church. Except, just kidding, he actually built something that was in conflict with the church and the Pope. He built his Catholicism, not Rome's Catholicism. It was still called Roman Catholicism. But, but it was the, its own actual, like, like. did they have their own, like, fake Pope? What is- <laughs> no, they they, but what they did is they would censor the Pope if the Pope would say something they didn't like. And they also negotiated with the church to have the church no longer appoint the bishops in Spain. So Franco and the the Spanish fascist government were appointing all the bishops in Spain. Franco was also like a hands-on kind of guy. He was signing the individual death warrants for like, it's like all he did all day, I think. Sounds like a micromanager. He was a micromanager. Or to get up at dawn, decide all these death warrants. Yeah. <laughs> what, a hard, what a hard life. I know. That's what, that's what Robert Evans does. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can just imagine him like, oh God, it's, t- it's 2 p.m. I have to sign all these death warrants. So woe is me. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of creepy because they're actually for people who don't even exist yet. It's. It's a strange hobby. I'm sure nothing bad will come of it. So, but Franco, distinct, legally distinct from I read okay on Twitter. Uh, in 1937, Pope Pius XI proposed a third way of neither communism nor fascism. And he basically was like, the church is against communism, the church is against fascism. And he wrote statements about each. They're separate statements. One's like anti-fascism and one's like anti-communism. And so Franco, being Franco, published the Pope's anti-communist one and then banned his anti-fascist one. That's pretty funny. I know. I'm sure somewhere there is like someone who did the opposite, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so this good Catholic censored the Pope and the church did absolutely fucking terrible things in Spain under Franco. Obviously, no more abortion, divorce, or birth control because why would anyone learn how to control their own bodies? Women were forced to go to a special, like, learn how to be a submissive wife and good mother school for six months. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Basically, all schooling became Catholic school. And they also started snatching up all the children of all the dead anarchists and communists and Republicans and Catholic leftists. Because there were Catholic leftists throughout this whole time. That's kidnapping. Yeah. So they took all the orphans and they put them in Catholic schools to teach them conservative values and try to eradicate. Oh, did they put them in like Catholic, the like horrible Catholic yeah. Or- orphanages? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, is not the only place in the world the Catholic Church has done this kind of obviously no, evil shit. Yeah, no, that's a, that's 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 one of their greatest greatest worst hits. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Whew. But people of any religion are never a monolith. By the 1960s, anti-clericalism on the left had waned, for better or worse, and the church became one of the centers of anti-Franco resistance in some parts of the country, especially in Catalonia. By the early 1970s, the church was moving in a progressive direction. In 1971, the Vatican Council formally asked the Spanish people their pardon for how they'd supported the fascists. So, 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 is the church like in Spain starting to to have like a dissident faction, or just the, the church out of Spain? So, the church out of Spain, absolutely. The church in Spain is starting to also. Okay, all right. And by 1973, the the church out of Spain 
demands the separation of church and state in Spain, which is like pretty wild for them to be like, we actually want the church to be a separate thing than the state of Spain. Uh, and you start getting active, violent infighting in Catholicism in Spain. You have the, God, it really feels like a nothing's ever changed thing, right? I, because, I see. This is the one thing mm-hmm. I am pro infighting for. I am pro Catholics infighting. <laughs> All right. Well, that's not No, that's no, not no. <laughs> Whenever Christians have done infighting, yeah. always horrible things have resulted. <laughs> so actually, yeah. never mind. Well, yeah, okay. So this one, you have the quote, Warriors of Christ the King is an organization that goes around and like physically attacks all the progressive priests and churches because all the churches, all the all these progressive churches are pushing for democracy in Spain. And so then you have this like, no, the reason we like being Catholic is because you can do fascist shit with it. Much like you have much whatever. like the United States. Yeah, okay. exactly. The Catholic <laughs> yeah, left okay. and the Catholic right could not be a further apart group of ideologies. There's an academic named Aurora G. Morthio whose work influenced this part of the script. She died in 2020. She was born in Franco times in Granada, Spain. Uh, in order to do her work, she had to leave Spain. And she argued that national Catholicism, uh, quote, depended on well-defined notions of gender and the creation of an official discourse on femininity, a.k.a. what she called true Catholic womanhood. Huh. Yeah. It really was the trad wife thing. It's like a really interesting, I feel like this chunk of reading I've done has like given me some kind of wild insights into the current right-wing shit going on in the United States. Yeah, that sounds like it would be very popular on TikTok. (laughs) Yeah. Franco as Spain was, uh, she suggests, and it seems convincing, built on this true Catholic womanhood. This was the backbone of Franco. From this point of view, it was changing gender politics in Spain that, quote, eased the transition from patriarchal autarky, which is when the country is like entirely self-contained, to a representational democracy. Because the new, cons- I'm no longer quoting, because the new consumer society required two income households, women were starting to go to college, right? Yeah. And to quote Aurora Morthio again, by pivoting to the West in the aftermath of the Second World War, Franco ensured his relevancy to the outside world and protected his regime's power from outside meddling. His new role as benign dictator, opening his country to the West and fighting the common communist enemy, helped satisfy the conscience of his new American partners, who saw Spain as having democratic possibilities. Possibilities. Yeah. I love when fascist countries have democratic possibilities. Yeah, which they don't actually care about. They're like, hey, can we sell you shit? right now you know and they're like yeah Yeah. he's like they're like okay another thing that helped ease this Mm. and authoritarianism as even under franco authoritarianism started to wane right another thing helped that was as people ran to cities they formed shanty towns right because the the society goes from agricultural to industrial like way later than most of western europe and so these shanty towns outside of the big cities they end up self-governed in a lot of ways Uh, To quote her again, neighborhood associations with their ad hoc governing councils sprang up and would later become legitimate political voices for the labor movement. So, as the 60s wear on, students start getting radical, especially into the two main places that are doing the organizing, at least according to what I read, because everything is biased towards whatever, anyway. Uh, They ended up in radical Christian movements and the Communist Party. Huh, yeah. What what an interesting little collection of uh 
of like disparate cells. I know. And neither of these were political forces 30 years earlier in Spain, right? Yeah. And so some women helped end authoritarianism by rebelling against the trad wife nonsense. But apparently there was also a kind of like feminist movement that was also into embracing uh, piety and motherhood, but turning it against authoritarianism and like traditional, like, I don't know. It's like, no, like we, radical we also, track. Yeah, go ahead. We, we, we even, we see like a lot of the trad wife stuff is honestly mm-hmm. done by more kind of like, whether it's like liberal or like lefty progressive types, it, like a, right. a lot of the stuff is done by people who are not fascists. Then there is people who are fascists who like kind of like try to do like um, entryism via it because it's yeah. very easy to do that. Totally. Um, but like a, a lot of people that, that like popularized it and stuff were like regular progressive libs or, you know, they wouldn't like, yeah. like Elizabeth Warren supporters or something, right? Like, and, and then, and then you see the, See the 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 fascist right trying to yeah. use their like twelve they're they're like twelve <laughs> e girl influencers to try to like push the discourse in these little niche subcultures yeah and I like when we hold those grounds I like when we be like well look feminism yeah. can be this or this you know um, no absolutely you you should you should never cede territory that you don't have to cede <laughs> yeah yeah and so all of this shit all of this organizing all of this really intense social change, all of this, is why his system didn't survive his death. It did not kill him. It did not end his reign, but it ended the continuation of his reign. And I think that is it's something that gets gets forgotten. But what doesn't get forgotten, Garrison, is a good earworm from a jingle, from an ad, much like how capitalism opened up Spain to Okay, I got nothing. Here's some ads. Uh, democratic what? possibilities. So too will we open up your ears to democratic possibilities. But what does this have to do with me becoming Treebeard? Oh, interesting. What is Treebeard actually? Is, so is Treebeard's an ant. An ant and in, in, in is a, a very old wise tree. Yeah. That carries hobbits and then yeah. kicks ass. Yeah. Well, being understanding history gives you the oh, breadth of time. Okay, sorry. Also, non-fascist Catholic Tolkien. Yes. That's how it ties together to, but you're not there yet. You've got, there's two ad breaks. So you're only, you're up to sapling and sapling. I'm halfway. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. 
It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's full regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. And Sophie is now wise and green. Most of what I know from this character, well, not mm-hmm. know, but like my, my first exposure to, the, to this character of, of Treebeard was um, in the, in the uh, VeggieTales recreation of, <laughs> of, of Lord of the Rings. Where they had a pretty a pretty scary scene with three with three tree monsters that always kind of freaked me out. Um, that they were like they they, they were basically like the, the in the story. Oh they no! Operated, I googled they, it. The pictures are truly. Wait, hold up, hold up the phone. Let me see. Oh no! <laughs> I feel like this is this is offensive to Treebeard. Looks. Oh yeah, like... no, that's not what you look like. No. Oh. They they kind of they kind of operated as like guardians of the threshold. Okay. But uh yeah, they were they were pretty freaky. No, I I can I can send a Yeah, yeah, it's there's a, Okay. There's some uh, pretty pretty disturbing disturbing images. I'll 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 send, I'll send a picture to you Margaret here. All right. I I really just, appreciate that. Just so we have that. reference. Just yeah. just so we all are aware yeah. of the VeggieTales Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> that was my first exposure to the all right. to the world of Middle-earth. So we're looking at I don't even know how to describe it, but it definitely has jewelry. It does have a big amulet necklace, yeah. the massive, massive jewel in the front. Yeah, and yeah, he has like a, a, a he, he has a beard, um, and is a, a tree, big no- a big nose, really big eyebrows, uh, gangly little branch arms. Um, but you know yeah. what else had gangly little branches in Spain? The Communist Party, eh? Really, it did. Eh? That's crazy. Um, did it also have a big amulet with a red jewel in the middle? I am willing to bet that at some point they raided some, they burned down a, a right wing Catholic monastery and took such things. So, the other people resisting, right? The anarchists were there too in a different form. It was mostly communists at this point. Most workers by the end of Franco, if they were leftists, they were in the Communist Party or they were in workers' commissions. And the Communist Party was illegal there. And so it was left with more anarchistic character than elsewhere around that time because it couldn't be centralized. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And a lot of the communists were literally the children of anarchists, right? Then the workers' commissions carried with them the sort of ghosts of the CNT, the like spirit that cannot speak its name. These are the like more decentralized 
things even more so than the communist party right but they're like can't call themselves the cnt because there's been well we've talked about this at length it was a bad idea to call yourself the cnt yeah it didn't seem to turn out very well yeah the u.s backed backed franco hard during the 1950s um they were the single greatest prop to his dictatorship investment in tourism and american military and bases who the American military bases in Spain literally at one point later in the story provide bombs to fascist death squads. Another American classic. <laughs> it is. It really is. It's not just for Central America anymore. And that's kind of the larger picture of how Franco's control slipped away. But it didn't end with a whimper. It ended with a bang. Because the award for best assassination during the Franco regime goes to the Basque separatists, specifically the ETA. Have you ever, you ever heard of the Spanish the, the space program? The, Don't Google the estimated it. Estimated time of arrival. Um, no, but we'll go. It stands for Boss Homeland and Liberty. Okay. And I, the the ETA was sort of a as a crude analogy. They were like kind of the Basque region's IRA. Uh, Basque country is a region mostly controlled by Spain that does not, generally speaking, believe it should be controlled by Spain. They have their own language. They have their own culture. They have their own bombs um yeah we when we, i went to a went to like a a trans like a i guess like trans rights protest roughly in uh in in boise last year mm -hmm. and there's there's a little like mini bosque uh like community oh cool uh near the near the downtown yeah um it, it has like it has like little shops and little like little like uh grocery stores and i feel like i feel like restaurants or like cafes okay um and it was quite quite enjoyable so yeah. i basically have been here because i went to boise idaho totally and and, and got food from <laughs> a bosque grocery store i once went to a bosque demonstration in catalonia that's that's that, that's slightly more <laughs> legit than mine okay. yeah but it still wasn't in bosque country anyway so yeah, they, they have a long history of we are not Spanish, and yes, we're willing to fight about that. The ETA, which stands for basically Bosque Homeland and Liberty, um, was a Marxist group that included those paramilitaries willing to fight about it. And they were around for a really long time. They started in 1959. They didn't disband formally until 2018. Oh, really? Yeah. That's no, wild. Yeah, they, they kept up shit for a really long time. They did an awful lot of paramilitary stuff. I am not really informed enough on the topic to really opine about their later actions, which became increasingly less popular. I will say that the most recent surveys of Basque people show that while most people prefer some kind of autonomy or freedom from Spain, whether it's like being their own state or being like fully an autonomous region, an overwhelming majority said they're no longer interested in the ETA's violence. And that might be because of long, drawn-out troubles. You know, I, I don't sure. know. Um, but most people want to be free. And we're not talking about this more contemporary violence today, which we're talking about when they had a fucking dictator. The ATA was really popular with Spaniards and Basque people when it, it was when they were fighting against a fucking dictator. Franco wasn't big on Basque independence. He actually wasn't big on any he was he wasn't yeah. He's he was a fascist, wasn't he? Yeah. He's, I don't think he's yeah, big okay. on independence, period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's not big on rights or people. I think he was big on Franco and big on trad wives. Many such cases. And there's like some other stuff. He like kind of created a Spanish identity actually. And it was funny because 
including out of parts that wouldn't have been part of uh god i didn't write this into the script but i read about how like i think flamenco doesn't i think it's andalusian and like wouldn't have been part of the spanish identity as like a specific spanish thing um and like so he kept pushing this like spanish identity or whatever i mean yeah cultural identity is a big part of like propping up fascism as well yeah totally and so he kind of created this you know trad wife culture or whatever it was extra shitty to the Bosque people. He banned their language and culture. I mean, to be fair, he banned lots of languages and culture, but um, this did not make him friends. The Bosque people overall weren't like, man, there's our guy, you know? Franco, our, our dude. Yeah. That quote that I think of every time I think of Franco, which is just that I'm willing to kill half of Spain to rule the other half. So in the 1970s, the ETA formed a space program and tried to send a Spaniard into space. Uh, Spain's first astronaut. A very specific Spaniard they picked to try to launch into space. See, it's the early 1970s. Franco is a dictator still. He's kind of on the right track with his like personal life and his leadership style, which is to say he's dying. Which is okay. Okay, all right. That's I, I was thinking where you were going there, but that makes sense. <laughs> he's trying to pick a, a successor, and you know, and he's going to name a king or whatever. Uh, maybe he already has at this point. I think maybe it's late 60s. He he like pisses off. I like refuse to keep track of like which kings people like versus other kings because there just shouldn't be monarchies. Yeah. But he like pissed off either the Carlists or the something else's or something. Anyway, in 1972, a Bosque separatist from the ETA named Jose Miguel Benyarin, aka Argala, which is Bosque for thin because everyone gets to have cool nicknames when you're in the resistance against Franco. That is cool. Uh, Argala went to Madrid to start building contacts in the Spanish left, basically hoping to like be like, all right, we should get together with the other resistance movements. Yeah. And also, he was like, if we do a big attack somewhere else, it'll relieve pressure off the Basque region, right? Sure, sure. His previous escapades, including robbing a bank for 10 million pesadas. Uh, Good for he, him. He held a businessman hostage, but instead of for money, it was basically like a labor strike thing. It was like a... I'm holding right. this businessman hostage until this company treats their workers better. That's that's pretty good. It's, it it's worked. unconventional, but it's it's, yeah. it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. He's in Madrid now. He meets a communist woman named Eva Forrest, who was born to anarchist parents in Barcelona, who became the local guide, essentially, for the ETA. And she knew a really fun fact, like a piece of trivia that you could use at a bar. There's a really, really important guy, Luis Carrero Blanco, who went to mass the same time every day at the same church in the city of Salamanca, which is about two hours west of Madrid. And he only had one bodyguard when he went to mass. Very cool trivia. I know. Who was this one, who, who this one guy? Well, I'm glad you asked. Admiral Luis Carrero Blanco, he was deputy prime minister at the time um, when they first started planning this. And so is he like number two? Kind of, yeah. And okay. he he runs the day-to-day -day in Spain. He's also sort of building this like state within the state in Spain. He's setting uh, up informants within the government to report to him, right? Some Game of Thrones shit. Yeah. And he is rabidly anti-Semitic. Franco was like, oh, I'm like, you know, I mean, I'm only against the Judeo-Bolsheviks and the Judeo-Masons and people celebrating in public. Blanco yeah. believed it was war to the death between Christianity and Judaism. Okay, so this guy's like bad, bad news, huh? Yeah, yeah. 
like the guy okay. that makes Franco seem moderate. Yeah. Okay. That's uh. That is that that is quite the problem. Yeah. Anyway, he goes around on a predictable schedule with one bodyguard. Okay. Cool. What a fun fact! I'm sure Argala said. Neat trivia. That is that is great bar bar trivia. Yeah. So the ETA talked it over. And they were like, all right, we're going to kidnap this guy and we'll probably be able to exchange him for 150 Basque prisoners. It's a good exchange rate. So they decide to kidnap him. They plan on using three four-member cells and then ambushing him inside the church. They rented themselves out some houses and also a clothing store where they figured they could store their guy, right? Okay. While he's under being kidnapped. It didn't go as planned. First, the clothing store got broken into and... I don't entirely know why this fucked everything up. I get it either like drew too much heat or it was like too fucked up to be a successful business or whatever after that. Yeah. They couldn't use it anymore. Second, one of the people planning all of this, his name was uh, Texakia, which is Bosque for short. He died in a shootout with cops in the Bosque, in the Bosque region. So he wasn't as useful anymore because he was dead and their necromancy wasn't on point. Eva Forrest, whose name is a reference to the end that... Um, Sophie is becoming. Nice, nice. Thank you, thank you. Um, Eva Forrest was like, well, all right, I'll set you up an apartment and you can store guns in the kidnapped guy in the apartment. We'll like build a little hidden thing. And so they're like, all right, chill. And so some communist construction workers and Bosque separatists build a hidden room for storing stuff in an apartment, which is apparently like a big part of a lot of the resistance to Franco at this point is you just have like weird hidden caches in, in every apartment and stuff. I mean, I definitely appreciate a hidden room in a, in a, an apartment. Frankly, one of the things that I have learned by doing this history show is that everyone should have everyone cool has a hidden room. Well, they just become necessary sometimes. Like yeah. the amount of work that people had to do during the Holocaust, right, to try and help people survive. Sure. Like you just like never know when. Like here's a place you can store a passport or a person. You just like never know when that's going to come up, right? Yeah. Anyway, so Franco, there's a third problem. It's not really a problem, a thing that happens. Franco, he's getting old as fuck. And so he names Blanco as the actual prime minister, no longer the deputy prime minister. Oh, interesting. So he goes from running the day to day to like kind of being in charge. Franco's still like in charge. But he's like old and sick and shit. But he's like sitting in a bed like chilling where other people like actually like do all this shit. Yeah. So he goes from like kind of second in charge to like absolutely second in charge slash kind of in charge. Yeah. And the ETA is like, oh, this might, this might complicate things. Let's figure this out. And they like brainstorm for a while. They have the opportunity to do the funniest thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Argala, he's like, you know what? There's a ground floor space for rent on the street that the guy drives every day. So let's rent that and do what radicals do best. Dig a fucking tunnel. Oh, the old, the old tunnel Tunnel. diggers. Tunnels are back. Tunnels are back. They call the whole thing Operation Ogre, because if you're going to do a cool wild crime, you better give yourself cool nicknames and call the crime something cool. That's true. And Argala is what's known on this show as a tunnel guy. There are two main purposes for tunnels, historically. One is to plant explosives to blow up dictators. The other is to escape prison. Argala has done both. He, well, he's dug tunnels for both. He dug a prison tunnel in a failed attempt to free a bunch of ETA prisoners. 
But so this is not his first tunnel rodeo. He rents the space and he's like, hello, we are sculpture students. And that will explain all the coming and going and the noise and the mess. Uh, and all of this, all this dirt and clay and ground that we're going to be yeah. pulling out. Yep. And they spend a week digging the tunnel. Everything I've read was like, and it was very complicated and hard. I read one source that was like, it, they spent six months digging it. But the more, the sources I trusted better were like, they spent a week digging it. <laughs> and at 8 a.m. on December 20th, 1973, they place 150 pounds of explosives in a T-shape in the tunnel underneath the street. By 9 a.m., they're up on the street, and two of them, Argala and another guy named uh, Kisker, Bosk for short, they're dressed up like electricians. Argala is up on the ladder with a detonator in his, like, electrician outfit, right? That's pretty funny. Yeah. At 9.36 a.m., a black Dodge Dart. I've run into multiple ideas of what the car was. I don't know. I'm going with Dart. Oh. You're just going to say it, it's, it's a black Dodge Dart? Yeah, there was like a couple different uh, models okay. that I've, I've seen claimed. Um, but a black Dodge... Fascists, fascists do like driving black Dodges these days, so... Mm-hmm. So it's coming down, driving down the road with that Oso Blanco in it. And there's a car double parked, so the driver has to swerve. I think the bombers put the car double parked there, but I'm... Because it has to serve on a specific part of the road that, or something? That's the impression I get from what I'm reading, yeah. but it's like translations and sure 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 Kisker signals to Argala who presses the button and the Spanish space program is born the car and its three occupants made it 65 feet into the air that's pretty good for a first flight they cleared a five-story church <laughs> landed on the other side in a courtyard or on a second-story balcony depending on the source and that's how Prime Minister Luis Carrero Blanco becomes Spain's first astronaut, as a lot of Spanish folks refer to him. Other good jokes include, is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Carrero Blanco. <laughs> so incredibly um, based. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So they launched him pretty high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've also read 100 feet. I've read like 30, like 33 meters, and I've read like... I don't uh, like 20 meters or whatever, but it's impressive because like they also had to like, it had to like go through a little bit of the ground that they, (laughs) that they dug under as well. Yeah. And there's pictures of the pothole potholes, the wrong word, the collapsed street. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Man. And the timing, imagine the timing. Yeah. Like these types, these, these, these types of car bombings are are usually not this successful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The, the average, I mean, we went over some failed bombings, in la- you know, on Monday. Yeah. Um, but what we didn't go over well enough on Monday was how once a tiny little entish sprout, Sophie is now Eva Forrest, the communist ent who... Oh, oh, okay. I don't know. Oh. I'm supposed to somehow turn this into... Sophie becoming an end successfully. Is, is, is Sophie like in like the baby Groot territory now? No, that was before. Now that was before. Sophie's okay. gone past baby Groot and his regular Groot. Okay. I'm regular. Yeah. Regular Groot. Yeah. All right. Sure. Big sprouts. Yeah. Good. Good for you, Sophie. You look so. Uh, you look so gangly. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> An honor. To be fair, there is actually like one, two, three, four, five, six plants behind Sophie on the frame. That's true. And, and 
no plants behind either myself or Margaret. Can I tell you my favorite theory about Ents? This won't mean anything sure. to Garrison, I think. Garrison, do you but, know that the Ents, the Ent wives have like all left? No, no. The Ents are the tree beards. Tree beard is yeah. an Ent. Yeah. And yeah. they they talk very slowly, and they have councils, and they destroy dams, and they're cool, right? But they're all men because they can't find their wives. The ant wives have gone missing. And my theory is that could you imagine being mansplained to by an ant? Oh my god, no! Because it would just take so long. Well, actually, it would be it'd be insufferable. Yeah. No wonder the ant wives left. Huh. Huh. And that is the kind of content that all of the ads that you're about to hear offer you. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun, such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney Collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy-to-wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. So, one fun, and by fun I mean unfun fact, about the jokes about Spain's first uh, astronaut is that in 2017, a Spanish trans woman named Cassandra Vera was sentenced to a year in prison for making jokes about Carrera Blanco on Twitter. What? What? Are you serious? Yeah. The, to spoiler alert, the Supreme Court overturned this conviction, but... It was like this like whole big fucking thing. 
her jokes included, did Carrero Blanco also go back to future with the car? Back to the future with this car? And there's a bunch of other jokes that all either didn't That are all like, like very right tame and like yeah, totally absolutely. normal things to say. Yeah. And some of the tweets that were like used against her in court were like, what, you can't even make jokes about this in Spain anymore? <laughs> or whatever, you know? Um, Blanco's own granddaughter was upset by the prosecution of Cassandra Vera, saying, quote, I'm scared of a society in which freedom of expression, however regrettable it may be, can lead to jail sentences. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's good, I guess. Yeah. So, back to the Basque Space Program, their unwitting astronaut. So the two fake electricians, right? They've pressed the sting, they've sent the oh, yeah, car launch in. All of our guys are still on the ground. <laughs> yeah, here. yeah. Um, they run, they come running down and they're like, gas, gas, and start running away as if it was Pretty a gas funny. main that blew. That blew, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it adds to the chaos of the scene and it makes them look less suspicious. Yeah. They ran around the corner. They got picked up by a third conspirator at Sulo or Care in Bosque. They drove away, they switched vehicles once, and they made it to their hideout. Carrero Blanco died of his wounds 45 minutes later at the hospital. His companions joined him in death shortly thereafter. Thus, they all lived up to their favorite fascist slogan, Viva la Muerte, Long Live Death. Uh-huh. At 11 p.m., the ETA took credit for the action. It took the press weeks to report the ETA communique, um, I guess either because the press wanted to like like didn't believe it or they were like waiting for like the political dust to settle to know whether it was safe to report it is kind of my biggest guess. Yeah, I mean, I think they live in a fascist country. You, yeah, you you would want to like feel it out, I think, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So the three conspirators wait about 10 days in the hideout and then their friend Eva drove them to a border town in the Basque country. They crossed into France over a river and they lived underground, and two of the three of them made it to their natural end of days. Um, That's good for those two. What happened to the other? Oh, we'll get to it. The assassination is credited as hastening the liberalization, aka the move away from fascism, of Spain. The prime minister who replaced this guy was more open to change. Um, I don't know whether it was... Yeah, I, I would be too if the last guy got... <laughs> yeah. The last guy got sent 33 meters over a church. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, maybe I'll try doing some democracy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Launching dictators into space, it's never morally incorrect. Strategically, it's a roll of the dice. Sometimes better, sometimes worse. This time it was better. Yeah. This was a more or less perfect action, right? Um, they got their guy. Yeah, it seems the collateral was low. Yeah. Um, they got their dude. Yeah. None of them got... Well, so Eva Forrest got caught nine months after the attack. She spent a few years in prison. But fortunately, with the death of fascism in Spain, uh, there was an amnesty and she gets out, right? And okay. during all of this, she writes a fake tell-all about the action and she peppers it with false clues to help hide her still underground co-conspirators. Great. Yeah. So she's like, in her version of the story, and you'll still people see people reporting this, her version of the story is like, oh, all the bombers immediately fled to Portugal, right? Not, they waited for a week and then went to France. Yeah. And she went on to be part of the conversion to democracy of Spain. She became a senator. Uh, she stayed involved in Basque separatism, even though she was Catalan. And she lived a long and happy life before dying in 2007. 
what an arc going from a political assassin to a senator. I know. I wonder what her anarchist parents think of this. They might be like, well, you did good. Great job, honey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Come on, honey. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like, every, everything, I can't everything's up in the I've, air. Yeah. I've never blown up a prime minister. What can <laughs> yeah, I say? Exactly. Let he who has blown up a prime fascist prime minister cast the first stone at Eva Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, the Basque separatist stuff, the government sets up right-wing death squads in the Basque country and starts murdering separatists, just like they kill more than a dozen activists. And in 1978, they kind of like revenge kill Argala, who is probably the main conspirator. Um, okay. In December 1978, they blow him up like in his car. And yeah, well, and they use explosives that were given to them by soldiers at an American army base, which they like claim that it was like a rogue soldier was just like, oh, I'm sure. just giving my buddy some bombs, you know? Sure. Kisker, for his part, survived a right wing death squad attack and might still be alive. I didn't, didn't I didn't find his death. Uh, Axula okay. made it to 2008 before dying of cancer. So overall, they did really fucking good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it sounds like Spain could be a lot worse if uh, if if this didn't happen at this specific time. Yeah, I mean, like, probably the death of Franco would have led to democratization. But I don't, sure, I but don't I mean, know if they had had a strong the other man fascist prime it, minister could. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it 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 may not have lasted like much longer, but it still yeah. seems like it, it, there it probably would have would have been worse in a few ways. Yeah, absolutely. What finally got Franco in the end was Parkinson's disease. In November 1975, after a month or so in a coma, he died. Around Spain, people got drunk in celebration. Everyone was fucking, obviously not everyone, but a whole lot of people were fucking happy. The news asked some people why they filed past his coffin. It's, and the answer was that we wanted to make sure the old fascist was really dead. I mean, yeah, that's, that makes sense. So it was like probably like, oh, there's all these mourners here. And it's people being like, Oh, thank God. Oh, God, yeah, that's him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Nixon praised Franco after his death, saying he unified Spain. Classic. Classic Nixon move. Yeah. He was buried in the Valley of the Fallen, which was a memorial built by enslaved prisoners at the end of the Civil War to throw all the bodies of dead people into. Um, and he was the only person in the war who didn't die in the war who was buried there. Oh. In 2017, the Spanish government was like, you know what? Fuck that guy. And they exhumed him because it was disrespectful to bury him alongside his victims. And he got reburied in the same cemetery as his first astronaut. That's nice. Yeah. Murray Book Chin said about him in place of an obituary, Francisco Franco was denied a place besides Hitler and Stalin as one of history's most terrifying mass murderers. It was only because of the demographic limitations imposed upon him by the Iberian Peninsula. You know, just there weren't, there weren't that many people for him to murder. In 1977, Spain announced the Pact of Forgetting, which was an amnesty law for the fascists and the anti-fascists, but most of the anti-fascists were dead and murdered, right? Um, and it was a way to try to mend the divisions in society by being like, uh, no one's fault, you know? Yeah. Huh. yeah, a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of different feelings on that. And yeah, 
30 years later in 2007, they passed the historical memory law, which was like, no, no we remember. We, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had a fascist dictator and it was bad. Yeah. So here's to the people who fought him and the people who blew up his prime minister. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is I next Next time I'm in Boise, Idaho, I will <laughs> pay my respects. <laughs> Garrison, you got anything to plug? For pluggables, I would say uh, check the, I suppose just check the Atlanta Community Press Collective or uh, Defend the Forest uh, accounts to see what the city council did uh, on Monday regarding the funding of Cop City. And then what steps will be taken after that? I, I don't know what will happen because we're recording this in the past. Um, <laughs> but I would, uh, that, is my, that is my main plug. Um, I've been covering uh, stuff like that on It Could Happen Here when I have time to put together like a full scripted episode. So there will be more of those in the future as well. Um, but yeah, uh, let's, uh, let's go, go see what the Atlanta City Council voted to do and what people will then choose to do in response yeah i am currently kickstarting a tabletop role-playing game it feels not as serious after that so you should do the things that garrison said i'm kickstarting a role-playing game called penumbra city and this time i even brought up a little blurb about it there's a black fog that hangs over the city and it's not as metaphorical as you might hope it's coal dust somewhere up through the smoke there's a glorious silver city hovering in the sunshine but don't concern yourself much with the floating quarter, because only the rich and the holy will ever see it. Groundside, orphans dig through rubble and trash to scavenge the parts to fix their motorcycles. Street poets sell fungus and brawl over territory. And bureaucrats ride black horses to midnight salons where they plot the death of the god king. The graveyard's been squatted by immigrants now for longer than you've been alive. And there's a gang of, of nihilist ex-marines who seem intent on blowing up half of everything. Welcome to Penumbra City. There's plenty to do if you don't mind the dust or the smoke or the crime or the monsters. And so if that sounds like fun to you, you can go back it on Kickstarter. We've already succeeded at our goal and we've already reached our first stretch goal. Probably by the time you heard this, we'll reach a second stretch goal. But the last stretch goal that may or may not have been reached ever, I don't know, involves me writing a book set in this world. So... You should force me to do that work. Force Margaret to do more writing. Yeah. <laughs> that does that does sound very exciting. I'm I'm always for conspiring to kill the God King. Yeah. Only in fiction and history. And the uh, pre the, anyway. The demiurge. The, the demiurge <laughs> is kind of is kinda of, it's it's kinda of, it's kinda of like the God King. <laughs> Sophie, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, if you enjoy Cool Zone Media but you don't enjoy ads, we now have an ad-free subscription channel exclusively on Apple Podcasts called Cooler Zone Media. Subscribe if you want or don't. And we will talk to you all next Monday. Bye. Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com. Or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. 
As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 